Praise the Lord. Uh, This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Okay, well, let's pray again. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege you've given us this morning to praise you together, to sing of your uh, glories, to declare your excellencies. And Lord, as we look into your word, I pray you would use it to greatly encourage us that we would follow you even closer, that we would walk in a manner worthy of your great calling, that we would abide in your Son, Jesus, and his word in us, so that you would be magnified. We ask you to bless this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we don't want to hear this, but we are going to be pursued, in a sense. Uh, We're going to be persecuted, That term translated persecuted in the New Testament really means to be pursued. When someone persecutes you, they pursue you. They pursue you maybe like we see in Scripture violently as they pursued uh, uh, the Lord's uh, apostles and prophets. We see that. Or they might pursue you with words. Uh, The Lord talked about blessed are those when men cast insults at you and say all things falsely on account of me. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, there's going to be a sword arisen, arising in your households between those who are saved and those who are not. It's going to identify who are the Lord's and who aren't. We certainly pray for those who begin to oppose us at times because they don't know the Lord. Lord Jesus said very clearly uh, that this world, you know, if this world hates us, don't marvel. Don't, if it hates you, don't marvel because it's hated him, he says. See that in John chapter 15. When we obey the Lord Jesus Christ, when we do what is right, it's going to cause those who are in darkness to have trouble with us. Uh, but the Lord Jesus said, take heart, right? In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Now, sometimes these troubles can blindside us. They can come around and get us all of a sudden. You know, we're starting this church here, and we would be naive to think that Satan isn't going to attack us. And we're not ignorant of his schemes. We're not ignorant of that. We're to uh, be on the alert. We're to uh, 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 be aware. We're to put on the full armor of God. We're to to, uh, recognize our adversary. The devil prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now, this doesn't make us cower in fear of the future because we might get attacked by Satan. We're to be on the alert so that we trust the Lord because the Lord is faithful, as we're going to see. When we're attacked, if we turn to him and we trust in him, we see he's faithful. So we're going to see today, and this goes along as we come into the second chapter of Colossians, where there is opposition, whether those who try to, in a sense, spiritually kidnap believers by turning their hearts away from the sufficiency of Christ, uh, we're going to see how we are to respond to our opposition. How we are to respond when we're blindsided by trials. Uh, turn with me to Second uh, Chronicles chapter 20. And we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 30. And we're going to see, and we need to be reminded of this, the battle is not ours, but it is the Lord. And we know these truths, but yet these things come upon us, and we forget them in a practical sense. We need to be reminded. We need to be reminded. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Now I'm going to read all of it right first here, and then we'll go into it and walk through it. It's a narrative. It's a historical narrative. It is true, 
And yet it is scripture. It is God's word, God giving this to us, and he has an intent uh, for us so that we might understand what he intended and then respond rightly. Now it came about after this, the sons of Moab and the sons of Ammon together with some of the Midianites came to make war against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and reported to Jehoshaphat saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea and out of Aram. And behold, they are at Hassan Tamar, that is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court, and he said, O Lord, the God of our fathers, art thou not God in the heavens, and art thou not ruler over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in thy hand, so that no one can stand against thee? Didst thou not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel? and give it to thy descendants of Abraham, thy friend forever. And they lived in it and have built thee a sanctuary there for thy name, saying, Should evil come upon us, the sword or judgment, pestilence or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house and before thee, for thy name is in this house, and cry to thee in our distress, and thou wilt hear and deliver us. And now behold, the sons of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou didst not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, they turned aside from them and did not destroy them. Behold how they are rewarding us by coming to drive out from thy possession, drive us out from thy possession, which thou hast given us as an inheritance. O our Lord, wilt thou not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on thee. And all Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children. Then in the midst of the assembly, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, the Levite, the sons of Asaph. And he said, listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, Do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go, go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley in front of the wilderness of Jeruel. You need not fight this battle. Station yourselves. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out and face them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face towards the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites from the sons of the Kohathalites and the sons of the Koharites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a very loud voice. And they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, 
Listen to me, O Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust in the Lord, your God, and you will be established. Put your trust in his prophets and succeed. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in holy attire. And they went out before the army and said, Give thanks to the Lord, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And when they began singing and praising the Lord, praising, praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so they were rooted. For the sons of Ammon and Moab rose up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, destroying them completely. And when they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped destroy one another. When Judah came to the lookout of the wilderness, they looked towards the multitude, and behold, there were corpses lying on the ground, and no one had escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found much among them, including goods, garments, valuable things, which they took for themselves more than they could carry. And they were there three days taking spoil because there was so much. Then on the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Barakah, for they had, for they blessed the Lord. For there they had blessed the Lord. Therefore they have named the place the valley of Barakah until today. And every man of Judah and Jerusalem returned with Jehoshaphat at their head, returning to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. And they came to Jerusalem with harps, lyres, and trumpets and uh, to the house of the Lord. And the dread of God was on all the kingdoms of the lands where they heard the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. So the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on all sides. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? That is absolutely wonderful. Now, with this wonderful passage, again, it's a, it's a historical narrative. It's inspired by the Lord. It's telling us this true story of what God did for Israel. And it's important to understand a little bit of the history back here that will help us in interpreting this. Uh, Jehoshaphat was the fourth king of Judah. Asa was his dad. And Jehoshaphat reigned from 874 to 850 B.C. I look back a little bit to chapter 17. Chapter 17, let's read a little portion there. From verses 3 to 6. And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the example of his father David's earlier days and did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father, followed his commandments, and did not act as Israel did. So the Lord established the kingdom in his control, and all Judah brought... This is uh, 17.3, and now 5. So the Lord... Established the kingdom of, in his control, and all Judah brought tribute to Jehoshaphat, and he had great riches and honor, and he took great pride in the ways of the Lord, and removed the high places and the ashram from Judah. Joseph was a good guy. He knocked out all the idle stuff, and he took great pleasure and pride in the ways of the Lord. The ways of the Lord. Now, if you look at the beginning of our passage, we look and see who's coming against them. There's a great multitude, but look at it says here in verse 1. Now, it came about after this, after this that the sons of Moab and the sons of Ammon, together with some of the Meunites, came to make more war against Jehoshaphat. Now, there are three nations mentioned in verse 1, and they are the ancient enemies of Israel who lived just across the Jordan River. They were related to Israel, having descended from the fathers, 
Um, indeed, the Moabites came from the incestuous relationship of Lot with his older daughter after the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah when they sinfully thought there was no one else to populate the earth. You look at Genesis 19. And Moab was directly east of the Jordan across the Dead Sea. And like the Moabites, the Ammonites came from the incestuous relationship with Lot and his younger daughter after the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah when there was no one else to populate the earth. Again, Genesis 19. And now uh, the Ammonites, they lived in a region east of Samaria. Their land was east of the Jordan. They were northeast of Judah and Jerusalem. And then in verse 10, we see Mount Seir is involved. And that's what we see here about the Mayanites. We see Mount Seir is involved. Seir and Mount Seir was a name for the area adjacent to Eden. Edom, excuse me, not Eden. <laughs> that's long gone. Uh, to, to Edom. And we understand the Edomites very clearly as we look at their progenitor, Esau. God reveals that Esau was a bitter, vengeful man, and so were his descendants, the Edomites. Indeed, they had been a continual thorn in Israel's side. And although these were related, these nations, they had been very hostile and would carry raids out across the border, as we see in our passage. And later on, it's important to realize that God did not allow the Israelites, when they were coming to land, to attack any of these nations. They could have destroyed them. They did not because of God's promises to them. He had made promises to them. He would take care of them. Believe me, God would. But he had promised them. He's faithful to his promises. Look down in verse 10 of chapter 20. It says, And now behold, the sons of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, whom thou didst not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. They turned aside from them and did not destroy them. They're still there, and they're bugging them, and they're coming out and trying to get them. And we know that the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the Edomites, and with others, had always wanted to destroy Israel. They hated the Lord. They hate the Lord. When you hate the Lord, you hate his people. When you hate the Lord, you hate his people. Whether they would say that or not, they hate the Lord. When people hate believers, they hate the Lord. They've chosen to turn away from him. They've chosen to follow their own desires in the context of Satan, the ruler of this world. Turn to Psalm 83. It's very clear that this is the case. It's very clear. People aren't just innocently not following Jesus. They hear the gospel. They reject it. They don't want anything of it. They don't want their sin exposed. That's why they don't come to the Lord. We've got to understand things rightly so that we proclaim the gospel and let God do the work of people's hearts rather than trying to convince people into the kingdom. We need to proclaim the gospel and let God's spirit, powerful spirit, work on the hearts of those who hear the gospel. Psalm 83, a song, a psalm of Asap. O God, do not remain quiet, do not be silent, uh, and O God, do not be still. For behold, thine enemies, notice he says thy enemies, they're your enemies, God, make an uproar, and those who hate thee have exalted themselves. They make shrewd plans against thy people, and they conspire together against thy treasured ones. They have said, come, let us wipe them out as a nation, that the name of Israel be remembered no more. For they have conspired together with one mind. You know, the evil seems to have one mind. You see that? with the See that? You see that with all kinds of... They seem to be very united in their opposition to the things of God. They're very united in their opposition to the things of God, the truth and the good ways of the Lord. 
He says that they make shrewd plans against thy people. They conspire together against thy treasured ones. They have come and said, let us wipe them out as a nation that thy name of Israel be remembered no more. For they have conspired together with one mind and against thee do they make a covenant. Now look at this, the tents of Eden, there we go, Edom, and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites, Gebel and Ammon and Amalek, Philistia, the inhabitants of, the inhabitants of Tyre, Assyria has joined them. They have become a help to the sons of Lot, Selah. It's terrible. They're coming against God's people. Now, I mentioned one political group. There's all kinds of people that don't know the Lord, right? And they're against the Lord, whatever political group they might be. But here we see these are the nations that hate the Lord. They hate the Lord. Therefore, they exalt wickedness. And they go after God's people. We see that today, by the way. If you think that the world loves you, you've got trouble. The world does not love believers. The world hates us because we're in the way. And we're going to have difficulty. But God is gracious. Now, on a side note, these nations, two of them came from Lot's sin, by the way. Lot was a believer, but a fleshy, fleshly believer fleshy believer. And if you look at his children born of incest and the descendants, the Amorites and the Moabites, we see a hatred for God. I'm saying to you right now, uh, for those uh, who are playing games with God, living by sight and not by faith, maybe you're a believer, you're doing so, uh, you might find out like Lot that your descendants are haters of God and his people. You need to follow the Lord wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. Okay, a little more context here. Uh, notice it's significant that this account happens at a time when Israel is at rest. They were This was a time of spiritual victory. It was right after a period of great accomplishment of Jehoshaphat. And so indeed, in chapter 19, we see this great reformation Jehoshaphat took, carried out. Chapter 19, verse 4. So Jehoshaphat lived in Jerusalem, went out again among the people from Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim and brought them back to the Lord. The God of the fathers. He brought them back to the Lord. He turned their hearts to the Lord, the God of their fathers. So then, what are we to do when we're blindsided by opposition, whether it comes from within, from without, from wherever it comes? And believe me, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. We're going to have opposition. Uh, the Lord made it clear, indeed, in this world you will have trouble. But, oh, but take courage, I've overcome the world. So what do we do? Notice we have a tremendous example from Jehoshaphat and the nation of Israel at this time. The first and foremost thing we do is seek the Lord. Look at this. Now it came about, verse 20, chapter, verse, chapter 20, verse 1. Now it came about after this, the sons of Moab, the sons of Ammon, together with the Mennonites, came to make war against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and reported to Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea out of Aram, and behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, that is in Gedi. It is in Gedi. And so during this time, we have the unbelieving nations surrounding Israel who hated Israel. They hated Israel. And they were about 15 hours away. About 15 hours away. You know, this is something like a tsunami warning. you got 15 hours before the tsunami hits. It's coming. It's pretty clear it's going to devastate the, the, the coastland. You've got a warning. You've got 15 hours. This is a real life and death deal. This is not a small thing. 
This is a life and death deal. You know, some of you may be a blind, been blindsided by trials. Maybe you got the diagnosis, whatever it might be. Something happened. It, it's very serious, and it's coming at you right away. Coming at right away. So how did Jehoshaphat respond? Verse 3. And Jehoshaphat was afraid. First of all, you know, our natural humanity, we're going to be afraid. We're going to go, whoa, what's happening, right? It's what do we do at that point after those first emotions come upon us? Things are going to happen. You know, if you say people, oh, we're not afraid. Well, in this situation, I think they're going to be afraid. I think you're going to be afraid. I think there's situations that come upon us that are going to cause us to initially be fearful. What could happen? We start to think about the, the, the situation. But notice, Jehoshaphat didn't stay there in the context of fear. And this is what we need to learn. He was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord. He turned his attention to seek the Lord. This is where we fail so often. We are afraid and we don't turn our attention to seek the Lord. We turn our attention to seek help from someone else or whatever it might be. We want comfort from anyone and everyone. We need to first and foremost turn our attention to seek the Lord. He says here, he turned his attention to seek the Lord. Now, he also says, and proclaimed a fast throughout Judah. Now, a fast was a visible symbol that the priority was to seek the Lord even over um, food. The priority is to seek the Lord even over food. So notice what he says here in verse 4. So Judah gathered together to seek the help from the Lord, and they they even came from the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. They came to seek the Lord. You know, we seek so many things when we're going through difficulties. We need to seek the Lord. We need to seek the Lord. Psalm 34.10, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Seek the Lord. Psalm 105, verse 3, glory in his holy name, let those who seek the Lord be glad. Seek the Lord. First Chronicles uh, 16, verse 11, seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face continually. Remember his wonderful deeds which he has done in his marvels and the judgments from his mouth. O Israel, servant of, of son, his servants, sons of Jacob, chosen ones, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. We need to seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Folks, don't seek the help of mankind. Yes, God may use man to help you out. God may use a doctor, whatever he might do. God can use him, but seek the Lord. Don't seek in your difficulties mankind because we are tempted to trust in mankind, to trust in them. Isaiah 31, 1. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help. Speaking of Israel. And rely on horses and trust in chariots because there are many and in horsemen because they're very strong. But they do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. When you are going through difficulties, don't seek mankind. Now, there might be some mankind that know the Lord and they're going to point you to Jesus. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. But we need to seek the Lord. We need to seek the Lord. Whether you lost a job, whether your spouse left you, whether you got the diagnosis, whatever it is, 
whether you have opposition from those who are coming at you. It's blind, blindsided you. Seek the Lord. Go to the Lord Jesus. Seek His help. Mankind's not going to help you. Mankind's not going to deliver you. Only the Lord's going to fight your battles for you. Only the Lord will. We're going to see later on that uh, the battle's not ours, but the Lord's. We think the battle's maybe someone else's. <laughs> it's the Lord's battle. It's the Lord's battle. So at this point, we start to begin to see how Jehoshaphat's seeking was manifest. Because we can make up all kinds of things in our head on how we seek the Lord, but we're going to see specifically how he does that. How he does that. Notice in verse 4, So Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. They came from the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. Now look at verse 5. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem and in the house of the Lord before the new court, and he said, O Lord, Yahweh, the God of our fathers. He begins to pray. First thing he does is go before the Lord with the people. That's how we seek the Lord. We seek the Lord in prayer. We're also going to see we seek him through his word, that he might speak to us through his word. We seek the Lord. And now in this prayer, we can learn much about how we're to seek the Lord. We're to seek the Lord, elevating his truth in our hearts as we pray. Sometimes we pray like, oh, Lord, this has happened to me, and there's no way anything could ever be done. Well, Lord, that's not the truth. You're way above this. If you desire to do things, you could. You're faithful. You're strong. You're powerful. It's up to you. Notice what he says here. He says, oh, Lord, that's Yahweh. That's the great I am. The God of our fathers, art thou not in the heavens? Art thou not the ruler of the kingdoms of the nations, power and might in thy hand, so that no one can come against thee? Hey, you're above all this. Whatever I'm going through, you made me. You're stronger than that. You're above my enemies. You're above all the kingdoms. You're way above that. Are you not the God that is above all this? You need to see him as above your difficulty, above your situation. That majesty, power, and authority are his that he is in control, that he is in control. He acknowledges his power, his sovereignty over the situation very clearly because it's the nations that are coming against them. Aren't you above that? You're above the, you, aren't thou over the kingdoms of the nations? Power's in thy hand. And then notice he starts to quote God's promises in relationship to the situation. And we need to do that in our hearts. He does it in prayer. Look at this. We need to do it in our prayers. Didst verse 17, thou not our God drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and give it to the descendants of Abraham, thy people forever? And they lived in it and have built a sanctuary for thee, for thy name, saying, now here it's coming from back in, in, in the dedication of the temple, by the way, should evil come upon us, the sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, okay? Evil come upon us, the sword, judgment, pestilence, famine. Any of these things come against us, what are we going to do? We shall stand before this house and before thee, for thy name is in this house, and cry to thee in our distress, and thou wilt hear us and deliver us. Should stuff come upon us, we need to go to the Lord and cry out to him. And he's reminding us, say, hey, this is from your truth. Did you not, according to your faithful word, give us this land and promise to deliver us if we sought you? Didn't you promise that? You know, we need to bring to mind the promises of God that truly apply directly. And we need to call them out, in a sense, to the Lord as we are reminded of them. 
Father, you have said no temptation has overtaken us except that which is common to man. You've said this. You have said that you are faithful and want lives to be tempted beyond what we're able. You've said this. But with the temptation, we'll provide a way of escape that we may be able to endure it. And I ask you to provide that way of escape, Lord. You've said that you will. Father, you said, seek first your kingdom and those things shall be added to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen, glad to give you the kingdom. You said this, Father. I know you're going to take care of us. We're in a terrible situation. You said this. You said this in your word, and this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears. You've said this in your word, Father. Be anxious for nothing but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Make a request known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and minds of Christ Jesus. You have said that, Lord God, and I have this situation here, and I'm coming to you, and I thank you that I know you will take care of it. I know you are trustworthy. You've said you will provide this. We need to bring to mind the promises that rightly and directly apply to our circumstances. So after acknowledging his power and sovereignty over the situation, he says, uh, uh, according to your word, you've you brought us this land and you said you'd help us. And then notice he makes his real-time petition in verse 10. And now, behold, the sons of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou didst not let Israel invade when they came out of the land, they turned aside from them and did not destroy them. Behold how they are rewarding us by coming to drive us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us as an inheritance. They're standing on the promises. You gave us this as an inheritance. And these people that you didn't allow us to kill, that's true, they're coming after us. They're coming after us. We know from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 2, and you can read this, uh, verses 3 to 12, uh, that the Lord said, very, be very careful not to provoke Mount Seir. I've given them that as a possession. They said, let them go by. He talked about the other ones. Uh, let them go by. Don't provoke them. God had given them possessions because of their relationship, but they failed and didn't follow the Lord, and God would bring his judgment upon those nations. But God did not allow Israel to provoke them or fight against them. And now the very thing that God didn't allow to happen is coming after them. And we have circumstances like this in our lives where the Lord has not addressed something, he's allowed it to happen, and now it's coming after us. Come after us. And so he brings this real-time position, he, petition. He is standing on the promises. He says, will you not, verse 12, oh God, will you not judge them? Judge them for what they're doing. Will you not take care of them? So we need to acknowledge the situation in prayer, but acknowledge God's sovereignty over it. Lord, this is happening, but you're way above it. But this is happening. It's real. We need to also relay the promises that uh, apply to the circumstance. And then notice, we need to recognize our absolute inability to do anything. This is where we fall short times. This is a wonderful passage here. Verse 12. He says, will you not judge them? And he goes, for we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on thee. This is great. This is where we need to be. We are powerless against them. We can't defeat these nations. It's impossible. 
Nor do we know what to do. We don't know what to do. And how many times have you been in a situation where you, you're totally powerless, you don't know what to do? Acknowledge that to the Lord. Lord, I'm totally powerless against this. I don't know what to do. But notice what he says. Notice what he says. But our eyes are on thee. Hey, we're focused on you. So many times we are powerless and don't know what to do, and our eyes are not on Jesus. Our eyes are on pity party time, right? We're powerless. We don't know what to do. Oh, We have this big pity party. Rather than turning our attention to seek the Lord. And that's an evidence of where you're at. When something big comes upon you, if you're having a pity party, now we're all tempted to do that, but we need to turn to seek the Lord. But if we're in a pity party, we were tempted. Now we went into the party. We're tempted there. We go into it. We're not those who are seeking the Lord. We're just powerless. We don't know what to do. And it stops there. But it shouldn't stop there. We are powerless, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on thee. Our eyes are on thee. We need to do that. We need to have our eyes on Jesus. We need to have our eyes on Jesus. They sought the attention to seek the Lord, didn't they? They turned to seek the Lord. That's where we fail. We don't seek the Lord. But he sought the Lord, first of all, in prayer. He sought the Lord, first of all, acknowledging God's sovereignty over the situation. He sought the Lord, first of all, acknowledging his promises. He sought the Lord and they and the people. And so this is the test. Are your eyes on him or not? If you're not seeking him in the context of prayer, I would say your eyes have been diverted. They need to get back on the Lord. Get back on the Lord. Lord, in light of our inability, in light of our understanding, we're powerless, we don't know what to do, we have our eyes on you. We have our eyes on you. You know, if that's where you're at, you're in a good position, even though things aren't very good around you. Now, we think our trials are bad. This trial is like we're going to get slaughtered trial. This is like we're going to die trial in 15 hours. We're not going to survive this trial. If they actually come and you don't intervene, we're going to die. It's a pretty big trial. And so yet their eyes are on the Lord. And they sought him in dependent prayer. Dependent prayer. Lord, we're powerless, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on thee. Are you going through a trial? Are you seeking the Lord? Are you seeking him? Well, notice we don't just seek him through uh, prayer alone. We seek him in the context of his word also. We seek him in the context of his word. Notice what he says here in verse 15. And he said, listen, all Jerusalem and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King, and King Jehoshaphat. Uh, so we have here, notice what happened. Back in verse 13, And all Judah was standing before the Lord, and their infants and their wives, their children. Verse 14, Then in the midst of the assembly, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Matani, the Levite, of the sons of Asaph. And so we have the Spirit of the Lord coming upon, evidently a prophet here. He's going to speak God's word. And he says, verse 15, I read it earlier, and he says, Listen, all Jerusalem, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you. And when we're seeking the Lord, we need to go to the Word of God and see what the Lord says to us. And notice what he says to them. He says, Do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude. It's real, but don't fear or be dismayed. 
Why? For the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. You see, when we're following the Lord, when we're walking with the Lord, when we're obeying the Lord, the battles we encounter are not ours, they're the Lord's. Now, we may encounter battles because of our sin, and we need to deal with our sin and get right with the Lord and trust Him. He's gracious, He's kind. But when you're obeying the Lord, you're walking with Him, when we encounter uh, enemies, uh, we see here the battle is not ours, but the Lord's. It's the Lord's. And when we seek the Lord's help in dependent prayer, we also need to seek Him by listening to His Word. We need to be quick to hear. Quick to hear. Slow to speak. Quick to hear, right? Well, how can you know if you're what to do if you're not listening to the Word? How can you know what to do? You're seeking the Lord, but how do you know how to respond if you're not listening to His Word? Got to hear what He says. And I'm amazed at times how believers go through significant trials, yet seem to not know His very basic promises, or seem to have forgotten them. Significant trials, very significant trials, but seem to have set aside or forgotten the basic promises that God has said in His Word would surely apply, would surely apply. So this prophet says, listen, all Jerusalem, Judah, and the house of Jerusalem, and King Jehoshaphat, you too there. Thus says the Lord God to you, do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude. Hey, it's real. Why? Because for the battle is not yours, but God's. And again, when you are trusting in the Lord, everything that comes your way is his responsibility. We've got to remember that. We've got to remember that. You know, as we step forward in obedience to the Lord and serve Him together, what comes at us, it's His battle, not ours. We can personalize it so easily because the attacks are so personal. It's the Lord's battle. It comes so personal, right? We live in a social media era where uh, everybody gets canceled when they make a peep, right? You say the wrong thing, supposedly, and you're canceled, whatever it might be, and reviews and this and that, you get attacked on the Internet, whatever it might be. The battle's not ours. The battle's the Lord's. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Got to remember that. Remember what God told uh, his Josephat's dad, Asa, who didn't listen. He had trusted the Lord, and God gave him victory. And then he didn't trust the Lord, and notice what happened. Go back, Second Chronicles 69. I always just quote it First Chronicles. It's Second Chronicles, by the way. Change all those sermons where I said First Chronicles. Second Chronicles 16.9. The context is basically, hey, you trusted the Lord and he, he, he fought your battles for you. But then you didn't trust him and notice what, what happens. He would have taken care of you, but you didn't do it. 16.9, for the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. That means I'm not divided. I'm not going, oh, I'm letting, Lord, I'm seeking you. And notice what he says. You have acted foolishly in this. Indeed, from now on, surely you'll have worse. You didn't trust the Lord, Asa. God was searching to strongly support the one whose heart's completely his. You didn't do it, Asa. But here we see back in our passage, the battle is not ours, but God's. Seek the Lord. The Lord will fight the battle. Don't seek man's help. 
The only thing we seek in men is for others to seek the Lord with us together. Seek the Lord together. And that's the best advice you can come along someone going through difficulty. Hey, I want to seek the Lord with you. We're going to seek his help. We're going to seek his wisdom together. We're going to seek for his resolution, for his will in your circumstance. We're going to seek his comfort, the God of all comfort. We're going to do that together. So then, we seek the Lord because the Lord alone will fight our battle. And then notice, God gives those seeking him another command. Verse 16, this is through the prophet. Tomorrow, oh boy, tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them in the end of the valley in front of the wilderness of Jeruel. And then look at this. You need not fight in this battle. Station yourselves. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Oh, do we need to hear this and need to respond rightly. Oh, Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out and face them, for the Lord is with you. Oh boy, wonderful. You don't need to fight the battle. Don't fear, be dismayed. The battle's not yours, it's God's. Just go out and obey the Lord, as you'll say, and let him fight the battle for you. This is life and death. They could have said, oh, yikes, I'm going to die. No, they're going to see they obeyed. You see, when we enter difficulty while we're following the Lord, it's his battle, not ours. He'll fight it. He'll fight it because he's with us. So go out, as we see, and face it, as we see. And notice he uses this phrase, stand and see the salvation of the Lord. Do not fear and be dismayed. This would have invoked, I believe, a spiritual memory. You might remember Exodus chapter 14 when Moses was talking to the Israelites who were seeing the uh, Egyptians coming after him and they're at this water place, right? Turn to Exodus 14, Exodus 14. It's a, it's a no, no exit situation. With Israel, they were tested quite a bit. No water, no food, no exit here, right? Exodus chapter 14. And by the way, the, the, the movies and stuff about the Exodus are great and they're fun to watch, but they're not accurate. Read the Bible, you get the exact truth of what happened. The exact truth. Uh, Exodus 14. Verse 10, And as Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. So the, so the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, It is because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness. Now, that's not the right response, by the way. Uh, he says, Why have you dealt with us this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is, it, is this not the word we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone that way we serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Well, that's the wrong response, isn't it? But notice what Moses says. Do not fear, said to the people, do not fear, stand and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. While you keep silent. Now that's kind of a rebuke upon them, but here we see the principle, stand and see the salvation of the Lord. The very same thing. 17, back in our passage, you need not fight this battle, stay yourself. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. 
O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out and face them, for the Lord is with you. Don't fight this battle. The battle's the Lord's. Remember Isaiah 41.10, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about, for I am your God. He says, I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Don't fear. Don't anxiously look about. We are tempted. But God says, don't do that. Yes, we have that initial fear, but turn to seek the Lord. Again, whatever it is, a physical situation, relational situation, whatever it might be, turn to the Lord. Well, what do you do when trials hit? Do you seek the Lord alone or do you seek to fix the trial? Do you seek to, to, to prevent it from happening? Do you seek uh, man's help? Do you seek the Lord alone? Turn to seek the Lord and seek him with those of like mind. Seek him with those who are following the Lord. Seek him who will seek with you. Now at this point, there's an evidence of their genuinely seeking the Lord. Verse 18, and Jehoshaphat bowed down with his head, with his head, bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, verse 18, fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. You know, when you're seeking the Lord and you're hearing his word, it's going to cause you to praise him and worship him. And they did. There's a, there's an evidence. If you're still in the complaining mode, you're still in the pity party mode, you're not, you're not hearing him, you're not seeking him. You're seeking something else right now. You're seeking simply a resolution to your problems. You need to seek him. Seek the Lord. And they worshipped him. And then verse 19, And the Levites, from the sons of the Kahathalites, and the sons of the Korahites, stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Those were those who were, who were dedicated to doing the singing and the worship. They were skilled to do that. We saw that in Nehemiah, didn't we? They were skilled to do that stood up to praise the Lord God. How often do we do that when these things come? These things come. The right response to the Word of God is worship. The right response is worship. Humble praise of the Lord. Humble praise of the Lord. Yes, it's real. They're coming. Yes, it's real. But you don't need to fight the battle. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will perform on your behalf. You know, our God's a good God. And when we follow him, he's going to take care of everything he promises to do. He's going to do it. He's going to do what he says. So they responded in in worship. But notice they didn't just do that alone. There's another step. They obeyed the Lord. They obeyed the Lord. Look at verse 20. And they rose early in the morning and went out to the worst to call. Hey, they're going right at the people that are going to kill them. But God said to do that, didn't he? We need to obey the word no matter how counterintuitive it might be to our own wisdom in our trial. We need to obey the word of God above our feelings and our fears. We need to obey the word of God above our feelings and our fears. So they responded. This is obedience. They're obeying. And notice, middle of verse 20, And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood up, and this is a good leader, by the way, and said, Listen to me. O Judah and Hamas of Jerusalem, put your trust in the Lord your God. Put your trust in his prophets and succeed. It's a Hiphel construct there. It's and be caused to succeed. Put your trust in the Lord. Put your trust in his prophets. What's the word of God? 
Put your trust in His Word. Trust in the Lord. Trust. In, you know, you've got somebody that's good around you if they're saying, trust in the Lord and believe His Word. you got some good people are good. If people are telling you that in your trials, trust the Lord. Believe His Word. you got some good people around you. Joseph, that's a good guy. He's a good leader. Trust in the Lord. Trust in His Word. That's what we need to do to succeed spiritually according to what he would see success is, by the way, which is us uh, responding rightly and glorifying him, trusting him, obeying him. Then notice, we need to step out in obedience. Middle of 20, And when they went out, Jehoshaphat said, Listen to me, O Judah and Jerusalem, put your trust in the Lord your God, and you'll be established. Put your trust in his prophets and succeed. And they did. We're going to see they did. They stepped out. You see, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor sit in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his word he meditates day and night. You're blessed if you don't listen to the world. You don't go the way of sin. You trust the Lord. You see, we say these verses, but do we really believe them? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Well, except this one. No, all your ways. Trust him with all your heart. Don't have a divided heart. Trust in him completely. And you know, when you trust in the Lord completely, you believe his word, the Lord is your trust. The Lord is your trust. Psalm 115, 9, O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Jeremiah 17, 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. Now, you may have some terrible illness, whatever it is. I'm not saying it's wrong to go to the doctor. You go to the doctor, but you trust in the Lord to lead you to where he needs you to be. You don't trust in them. You trust in him. He is your hope. He is your shield. He is your only hope. And whose trust is the Lord. It's the Lord. And notice how they respond to the word. Verse 18, And Jehoshaphat bowed his head, with his face to the ground, and all Judah and inhabitants fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. We see that. And the, Le- the Levites call out with a loud voice, right? We see them. And then back after that, Joseph says, trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. But we're going to see also along with that, they respond again in worship. And notice uh, verse 21. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord, those who praised him in holy attire, and they went out before the army and said, Give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. So they're going out, obeying the Lord. Uh, Jehoshaphat says, Put your trust in the Lord. Put your trust in his prophets and succeed. And so he consulted the people. He put those who sang with holy attire. They went out before the army. They're in the front. That's what we need in our battles, right? People sing and praise the Lord in the front, right? They began singing. It says here, give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. Boy, uh, they're about to die, physically standpoint. If they were to succumb to their fears, they'd be shaking in their boots. 
and they're obeying the Lord, and they're believing in Him, and they're trusting in Him. And you know when you're trusting in Him when you can give thanks to Him. I'll tell you that right now. If you're not giving thanks, I don't think you're trusting in Him. The Lord brings you around to give thanks to Him because you believe He's going to take care of you. You believe it. You're actually trusting Him. The Lord is good. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make name His deeds among His people. We're to seek the Lord and His strength continually. Seek His face continually. Psalm 105. And notice what happens here. And as they went, he went before their eyes, said, Give thanks to the Lord for His loving kindness everlasting. And notice what the Lord does. Verse 22. And when they what? Began singing and praising. You know, there's so many battles in our lives the Lord would fight for us if we would trust Him. We never get to this point of singing and praising. We're complaining, we're sinning and complaining rather than singing and praising, right? We need to trust the Lord. They're singing and praising. The Lord set ambushes against the sons of Aaron, Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, who had come against Judah so that they were rooted. God rooted the enemies when they were praising him, when the Israelites were praising him. For the sons of Ammon, verse 23, and Moab rose against the sons of Mount Seir, destroying them completely. And when they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped destroy one another. When Judah came to the lookout of the wilderness, they looked towards the multitude, and behold, there were corpses lying on the ground, and no one had escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and the people came to take the spoil, they found much among them, including goods, garments, valuable things, which they took for themselves. When they began singing and praising the Lord. That's the context of trust and seeking Him, by the way. When you're trusting the Lord and seeking Him, no matter how bad your trial is, no matter how horrible it is, you're singing and praising Him, the Lord's going to fight your battles. He's going to fight your battles. Remember, He said, The battle's not yours, but the Lord's. You need not fight this battle, but stand and see the salvation of the Lord. Sometimes we're not even in the battle. We're actually thinking of the possible battle that might be coming. <laughs> we're not even at the battle yet. We need to trust the Lord. We need to trust the Lord. Some of us might need to do some self-examination. Are we seeing things rightly? Are we seeing things this way? This way. If not, confess, be forgiven. Trust the Lord. Stand before him and see his salvation. Then notice, you're going to give the Lord all the glory when he wins the battle. Look at verse 26. Then on the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Barakah. That means blessing, by the way, in Hebrew. For they blessed the Lord there, or praised him. Therefore they have named that place the valley of Barakah until today. The valley That's the valley of blessing. And every man of Judah and Jerusalem returned with Jehoshaphat at their head, returning to Jerusalem with what? Joy. Joy. For the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. The Lord did. And they came to Jerusalem with harps, lyres, trumpets, to the house of the Lord. And the dread of God was on all the kingdoms of the lands which they had heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. So the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for God gave him rest on all sides. What do we do when we're blindsided by opposition? Or blindsided by trials. You just hear it all of a sudden. Something comes upon you. What do we do? What do we do? We can learn from this Old Testament example. We can learn. 
First of all, we need to seek the Lord in the context of prayer and his word. We need to humbly depend upon him. We're not powerless, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on me. We need to listen to the word of God. And we need to respond in worship, believing that he will take care of the circumstance in his way for his glory and for our best and for our good. Do we really believe God causes all things to work together for good? Do we really believe that? Well, sometimes we have trouble and we don't believe it in a practical sense. We've got to trust him. Trust him. We need to respond and worship, give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. And the Lord will fight our battles. And then guess what? He'll get all the glory. You know, whenever you're trying to obey the Lord, you're swimming upstream, it's hard. It's difficult. You're going to have opposition. We're going to have trouble. Ministry is difficult, and it's tempting to pull our eyes off Jesus onto the enemies and the distractors and the difficulties. We need to seek the Lord, listen to his word, obey him, worship him, and let him fight our battles. That's what we need to do here, individually and corporately, trusting him. Then he will get all the glory. He'll get all the glory. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this reminder of where our hearts should be all the time, but especially when we are uh, attacked or we enter into to trials that blindside us, Lord God. Thank you. Thank you so much that you're a faithful God, that you keep your word. Help us to trust you. Big things, small things, Lord God. Some of us may be going through difficult trials. I pray we would apply these truths and truly seek you in this manner. And Lord, some of us may have peace right now. I pray we would still seek you. We would trust you in everything. We would not lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge you. Lord, you're a gracious, great God, and we praise you for your goodness, kindness, and love, all demonstrated in sending your Son for us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.